It's been 20 years since 9-11. Today's college freshmen, they weren't even alive then. And with our busy lives and the relentless 24-hour news cycle, we're in danger of letting 9-11 fade away from our cultural memory. We won't let this happen. Iron Light Labs presents the 20 for 20 podcast, 20 heroic stories about 9-11 for the 20th anniversary. I'm Nils Jorgensen. I was a New York City firefighter for almost 22 years until I contracted the rarest form of leukemia from cleaning up Ground Zero and was forced to retire from the job I loved. I'm lucky to be alive. Many of my best friends aren't, but this isn't about me. It's about the heroes of 9-11 and its aftermath who forged good out of evil. Love amidst the taking of 2,977 innocent lives and about an equal number who've died since then from 9-11 related illnesses. Today's story, episode one of 20. You know, I can't believe it's gonna be 20 years coming up since uh, since 9-11 and where I lost uh, my family and I lost our little brother. You're listening to Frank Siller, the president of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which is devoted and dedicated in the memory of his brother, firefighter Stephen Siller, proud member of squad company number one of the New York City Fire Department, who would pay the ultimate sacrifice on that day. Today, Frank brings us his story. But first, a few words about our generous sponsor, Let's return to Frank Siller with his brother Stephen's story. Stephen was uh, uh, born the youngest of seven kids. And uh, my father was uh, nearly 50. My mother was nearly 45 when he was born. So he was our little miracle, uh, our blessing from the very beginning, uh, from his very beginning, and, and became the core of our family. So. Uh, you know, Stephen grows up, he's eight and a half years old, our dad died suddenly. He was in for an operation, had a, an embolism. And then um, a year and a half later, our mom dies of cancer. So at 10 years old, Stephen was orphaned. He knew really early on the importance of life. But he, uh, he ended up living with my brother Russ in Rockville Center. My brother Russ didn't have any children. Uh, he was the oldest of our siblings. He passed away about a year and a half ago, God rest his soul. And um, he uh, dedicated, my brother Russ dedicated his life, him and his uh, wife Jackie dedicated their lives to, to my brother. So Stephen uh, grows up to be this outrageous human being. But I gotta tell you, his adolescence was very interesting. I'll give you one story. Uh, so uh, my brother Russ tells this, used to tell this story that uh, it, well, he was probably about 15 or 16, I think, uh, Stephen, and he wanted to go out to the San Gennaro Festival in New York City. And, you know, from Rockville Center, he had to take a train into New York. And my brother Russ didn't want him to go because it was a school night and he had school the next day. So, but Stephen being the Stephen convinced my brother that it would be okay. I'll be home by 10 o'clock. Well, 10 o'clock came by, 11 o'clock went by, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Finally, Stephen comes in and he's got a ripped shirt. He's got uh, blood on, uh, dried blood on him, on his forehead. He's got shoes were tattered. and it, it was, he just looked like heck. 
and my brother Russ, who is not a physical person by any means, they almost get into fisticuffs. But my sister-in-law gets in between them, and my brother Russ stands back and says, Stephen, look what you did. You almost, you, you, you had Jackie in between us, and you almost, you know, we almost get into a fight. Uh, you know, what do you have to say to yourself? You got up to two o'clock in the morning, it's a school night. What do you have to say for yourself? And he goes, I love Manhattan. <laughs> that was his response. I love Manhattan. So, you know, of course, it diffused everything. And, uh, you know, and that's what he meant. And that's what he believed. I love Manhattan. And he did love Manhattan to the day he died. He loved uh, New York City. Most people have a tough adolescence. You know, it's just the way it is. Add on to that the fact that you lose one parent would add a lot to your to your craziness. And then put the fact that he lost both parents at such an early age. Um, he had to go work out some uh, some inner anger, and um, and that he did. Uh, but he landed on his feet at a very young age. By the time he was just turned 19, he was finished all the nonsense, completely finished all the nonsense. But uh, it was a journey and a path that he had to be put on. And he came out the other side and uh, was just such a well-grounded human being. Uh, so he moved back to Staten Island when he was uh, 18 years old, and lived with me for a short period of time. And 19 years old or so, gets his own apartment, gets reintroduced to the, literally the girl almost next door, it was really right around the corner uh, from when he was a little boy and used to walk to school with her, gets reintroduced uh, to her, they get married, they have five beautiful children, and um, you know, he's on top of the world. He's the happiest he was ever been. Uh, he has everything, he's got a beautiful house, he's, um, you know, what firefighters normally do, they buy all the houses, and then rip it apart. And he was in the midst of, that's what he did just before 9-11. He was just wrapping up, fixing up his house. So he's got this house, you know, really living the American dream, you know, with the white picket fence, uh, wife, five kids. He's the happiest he's ever been. I mean, absolutely the happiest he's ever been. He's got it all. And the September 11th happens. And what do you guys do? You know, what do our first responders do? What do our military do? When something happens, you run right towards the danger. And that's exactly what he did. That Tuesday morning, Stephen had just gotten off the night shift and was on his way to meet his brothers for what seemed to be a beautiful day. He was going to play golf with my brother George, my brother Russ, and myself. The four brothers were going to have a beautiful golf day. And if you remember, everyone does. It was like a 10. Uh, we were so excited, uh, to say the least, because we didn't get that opportunity too often. We have busy lives, you know, kids, etc. So who gets an opportunity to get all four of us together? Uh, but nonetheless, Stephen uh, is called to duty, uh, turned his truck around, went to his firehouse in Squad 1. Uh, his company had already responded, so he just took his gear, drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. We have a person who contacted the foundation that told me this. And when she did, I was overcome with emotion, obviously. That she saw a black truck pull up, come to a screeching halt, right at the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. She saw somebody hop out of the truck and start putting on his fire gear. He put everything on, 
strapped his gear to his back, and ran into that tunnel. Now, she didn't know it was my brother Stephen. She didn't know uh, his story. Um, and she contacted the foundation when she saw us have the first annual Tunnel to Towers run in New York City on the, around the first anniversary of 9-11. And she saw the story and she said to her husband who was in the car with him, she says, that's the firefighter that we saw get out of the, his truck and put his gear on and ran into the tunnel. Um, it was also uh, seen by a, a fire uh, company that was in the tunnel and they asked him to hop on the truck and he said, oh, no, I'm going to get there before you. And he did. Because they were stuck, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was stuck. He couldn't get through the tunnel. I mean, you yeah. know, the abandoned cars. And so he strapped 60 pounds of gear on his back, as you yeah. well know how heavy, heavy that stuff, is. Sure. Heavy stuff. And he ran. And that tunnel is almost two miles long. You know, it's, it's, and you know, here's the thing. It goes down about eight-tenths of a mile, seven-tenths. And then it's straight uphill for the last mile yes. plus. And you come out, and it's still a little, you know, incline when you come out on, onto West Street. But uh, I, I saw a, a firefighter who said that he saw him when he got out of the tunnel. And he hopped on the truck for a very short period and hopped off at Liberty and West. So he came out the other side of the tunnel and he wanted to help. And he wanted to do what you guys do. He wanted to save lives. And, um, and then obviously proceeded to what I believe was the South Tower. Stephen was never recovered, but that's where all Squad One was. There's 11 members that died from Squad One. And you know as a firefighter, right, that you would want to find out where your brothers were, were fighting the fire and, and, and saving people and you want to do it alongside the people you train with every day. So they were all recovered in, uh, in uh, the South Tower. Stephen was never recovered. We lost 2,977 souls. You know, my heart always bleeds for those who were above the fire line. You think of, you know, you think about that. The choice that these great people had that just went to work that day, and this is their choice, to burn or to jump. And many jumped, as you well know. And uh, could you imagine being forced with that decision on what to do? On that morning, over 100 people jumped to their deaths. Many more were crushed and burned alive. 23 NYPD and 37 Port Authority police officers lost their lives, as well as several New York City EMTs and paramedics, a few federal and New York State court agents, one New York City fire patrolman, and 343 New York City firefighters. So it was a it was a sad day, but it was a glorious day, and there were so many acts of heroism. There's so many stories that are not untold, or hasn't been told as much. It was the greatest rescue mission in the history of our country. 25,000 people were saved that day, but Stephen is just symbolic of the amount of heroism that day from all the firefighters and police officers and just regular people. More with Frank Siller after these messages from our sponsors. And now let's get back to the story. To honor Stephen and those who've made extraordinary sacrifices for our country, Frank created the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. At first, they provided mortgage-free homes to the families of first responders who died on 9-11. Today, they also provide mortgage-free homes to first responders who've died in the line of duty across the country. 
as well as Gold Star families who've lost their loved ones in the post 9-11 wars. They even provide smart homes to those who've had catastrophic injuries from either form of service. You might have heard of the annual 5K run. Now here's Frank with that story. The story of the run is unique. So we started the foundation literally by December of 2001. And we say that, but we weren't really doing much, but we wanted to fund it and we wanted to honor the sacrifice, what Stephen did and so many others, and uh, remember and, and not to forget. So that, that was our platform, all right, for us to, to do. And we were thinking, ah, maybe we'll have a dinner, a golf outing, a run, or whatever. You know, we think of a different I wanted to do something very unique, personally. I thought it would be important. What Stephen did was so unique, and we wanted to emulate what he did. So a friend of his, Billy Codd, uh, called me up and said, Hey, Frank, what do you think if we do a run the first year for their anniversary? And I said, I don't know, Bill. I was thinking of run, dinner. I don't know. I want to do something special. He goes, no, 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 no. Not just like a run. Let's do what... Stephen did. Let's run through the tunnel. Literally went to my knees, overcome with emotion, because you know when it's the perfect right thing to do in life? There's no doubt. There's zero doubt that it has to be done. None whatsoever. So I said, Billy, don't say anything to anybody. It's an unbelievable idea, and uh, we're going to get this done. And I uh, was able to get a meeting with the uh, Bob Adamanko, who was the commissioner of OEM, early on. And I went in there and I told him about Stephen's story, what I said earlier, that Stephen was, as a child, lost you know, our parents and he was orphaned by age 10 and, you know, grew up and uh, met the girl next door, got married, had five kids. And then what he did on 9-11, you know, strapping 60 pounds of gear to his back and running through the tunnel. Well, Bob was at a desk, similar to this, jumps up out of the desk as I'm telling the story, runs around the desk and hugs me. He's crying. And he says to me, Frank, we're going to get this done. We're going to get this run done. So, uh, so you know, you know, excuse me, uh, Department of Transportation. He, he was the commissioner, right? So he, he basically, we had the streets closed right there. You know, more than that, he gets on the phone. He calls a guy named Gideon Davis, who works with the Bridge and Tunnel Authority, right? TBTA. And um, he calls him up and he says, hey, Gideon, I'm here with a guy, uh, Frank Siller, and his brother ran through the tunnel. Uh, on 9-11 and, and uh, October of this year, but it was really September was what I wanted to do, and I got September. But uh, I, I, October of uh, uh, the year, we want to, uh, he wants to have a run through the tunnel. Can we get the tunnel closed? And Gideon Davis says, yeah, I, 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 we can do that. We can do that. So in the first couple minutes, we had all the streets and the tunnel closed. By the way, I found out later on that Gideon Davis didn't really have the authority to tell me yes. But <laughs> And I found that at a meeting when uh, with the TBTA when he said, who gave you permission to do this? And Giddy Davis sit next to me and I said, some great human being. I said, but we're here now and we're doing it. So this is, uh, this is how it all started. And of course, Rudy Giuliani was still mayor at the time when we were putting all this together. Rudy always tells a story that when Richie Shearer, God rest his soul, yeah. uh, Richie's such a good man, a but he was the, the uh, uh, director of OEM. And uh, Richie said to the mayor, hey, the Silla family wants to close the tunnel, and albeit it was quite a amount of months down the road that we were going to do it, but we were still working on it early on. And uh, the mayor says, no, you know what way? You know, we can close the tunnel, we use it, you know, the, you know, this, you know. Understandably, at first, it seemed like a crazy idea to Mayor Giuliani. It really is an absurd idea. On an average day, over 54,000 vehicles use that tunnel, a tunnel that brings you into the heart of New York City, 
a major transportation route shut down for the 5K, its preparation, and its cleanup. Richie said, okay, do me a favor. Uh, can you just meet with Frank Silla? Uh, just meet with him for, for a couple minutes, that's all. And, you know, then just explain to him that you can't, you know. So Richie was smart, you know. <laughs> Rudy, he said in two seconds, Frank, yeah, we could do this. So, I mean, so just think about how everything came into place. Because you know, when we first told people we were going to have a run through a tunnel and close, close part of Brooklyn, close part of New York, uh, close a, a tunnel, you know, going into New York and then closing downtown New York, you know, downtown Manhattan, uh, people said, they laughed, you know, they left the table. They told us afterwards they were laughing, saying these, the Sillas are delusional. Well, we might be delusional, but we have big goals and the goals are for the right reasons. And that's why it's been blessed and we're very successful. I got to say that we have thousands and thousands and thousands of volunteers. I can't thank them enough. Without them, we would never be where we are today. At the race itself, this year we'll probably have close to eight to 10,000 volunteers. That's a big race in itself, right? These yeah. are just volunteers that'll be at, at the race to put on an event like this with 30 or 40,000 people. Uh, so we're, we're, we've really been, uh, we've been blessed. Year one, we had about 2,000 uh, participants. Um, and like I said, we're up to thirty or forty thousand now. So it's been it's grown uh, tremendously, and it's grown because you know, more and more people hear Stephen's story. But we, uh, I, one of the reasons why we are successful is from the very first year we wanted to honor all those who perished on 9/11, not just Stephen. It was we had the flags, three hundred forty-three flags, the first year in the tunnel representing the 343 firefighters that died that day. So we, we know Stephen's not the only one by, by any means uh, of great heroes that did something special on 9-11. And we want to make sure we always recognize. I love that there are a lot of 9-11 families that come in groups and honor their loved one during our run. And they hold I, the pictures. And they hold the pictures. Yeah. And yeah. they. I love it. I love it because there's so many stories out there of acts of heroism that we must never forget was never forget what happened to us 20 years ago when the Islamic terrorists tried to kill as many people as possible, and they did kill many, the most ever on American soil in one day. So, uh, and that's what we do at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Our first responsibility is make sure we never forget. The reason why we don't stop at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is because there is no timeline in the sacrifice that our protectors, those who are willing to sacrifice their life for us every single day, do for us every single day. So this won't be the last conflict we had. You know, seven, to date, 7,059 men and women in uniform that served our country in Nels. I know you served for us thank as well. You, sir. Yes, sir. Proudly. Then thank you for that. The 7,059 have given their lives for our country since 9-11. Think about that number. That's more than twice that died on that day. Why? To protect us here. So it's not over. It's never over. Protecting our country is never over. So, you know, our foundation has made a promise and a contract to our military and first responders. And I say this all the time, that when they go to serve their country, or their communities, and they give their kids a kiss goodbye, and they don't come home, we're going to take care of the families that are left behind. When you're serving your country, you're overseas. 
isn't it a good thing to know in the back of your head, God forbid something happens to me, that my family will be taken care of? I think that's the least we can do as Americans to make that promise. And that's what the promise of Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And that's why so many people have joined us on a mission. We ask people to go to t2t.org, donate as little as $11 a month. You know, in the fire department, it says many hands makes light work, right? Yes, Isn't sir. that? That's why you have so many of you guys in the kitchen. Absolutely. I can see you've been in the kitchen yeah, a lot. It's a little too way, much. You know? <laughs> but many hands makes light work. That is the key to the success of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We are a blue collar grassroots foundation that depend on thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people to donate $11 a month. If we got a million people to donate $11 a month, and that's not asking too much, right? $11 is not asking too much, and a million people in America is not asking too much, right? Either one of them should happen. If we had a million people donate, and we're on our way, but not close to it by any means. But we're going to get there. I don't know how many years, but we're going to get there. We have a million people donate $11 a month. We could take care of every Gold Star family, every fallen first responder family, which is a cop, firefighter, and others that serve our communities, that die in the line of duty, that leave young kids behind. We could take care of every single one of them every single year. This year alone, we're going to deliver 200 mortgage-free homes. 200. Do the math. Each one's 250, 350,000. Smart home is over half a million dollars. It's a lot of money. And this year we added, and you talked about that you have your own struggles with 9-11 illness, cancer. This year we made an announcement that we're going to take care of every first responder that has died of 9-11 illnesses that have young families, 21 years or younger. We're going to pay their mortgages. Because you know what? They died because of what happened on 9-11. They were on that pile looking for my brother and their brothers. They were digging every single day. They made a commitment. It, it came from a, a, to saving lives to recovering lives. And they made that commitment and they were there. And they knew the dangers, even though they were told at times that the air quality was okay. Yeah. But they know it. They know that. They're firefighters. They're police officers. Firefighters know because you guys uh, uh, have uh, lung problems all your life because you're fighting fires. So they knew the dangers, but they didn't stop, just like my brother didn't stop and go up those stairs that day. They wanted to recover everybody and every yes. uh, that they could. And they're dying because of that. So we are going to pay off their mortgages. I think that is a noble thing to do. And people who join us and donate as little as $11 a month, T2T.org, can be part of that and be part of paying the mortgages of every cop and every firefighter in America and every Gold Star family in America. I have so many families that I've met over uh, the last uh, 20 years. I call almost every widow when, uh, when we find out they died, a cop gets shot, whatever, I yeah. speak to them. And, and I always say to them, you know, do you believe in life after death? And everyone has said yes to me, every single one. And then I said, well, that's great, but I'm not really talking about for your husband now that there's life after death for your husband because we know that there is, but there's, you know that there's life after death for you after, after the fact that your husband's gone. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have a life after his death. It's just very emotional talking to them because they paid a big price for our freedom. 
I think faith overall is what's carried the Silla family through this terrible time 20 years ago and uh, what carried us when Stephen was a little boy uh, and, and made sure that we help raise him, all of us, in, a, in a, a loving and spiritual and religious way. And it's still faith overall that carries us through our foundation. And every decision that we make is always we rely on God putting us on the right path. After 9-11, my brother Russ, uh, we were walking every day and, uh, and we were trying to think of a motto or a mantra to live by with the foundation. And he said, St. Francis said, brothers and sisters, while we have time, let us do good. I mean, that's it. Let us do good. I mean, that is what the foundation is trying to do. Let us do good. And while we have time, because I know I'm running out of time every single day. So you, you can't waste a day. So that's what we've been living by, you know, let, let us do good and uh, and we are doing good. And what's better than the goodness of America, the generosity of America to take care of the greatness of America and the greatness of America are those who are willing to die for us every single day. Our men and women in uniform are first responders. What's better than, than, than doing that? It's not easy uh, because we made a big commitment to these great heroes families that are left behind. But I know the goodness of America will join us and will take care of every one of these families. I have no doubt, I have great faith. So it's the faith and hope, uh, the prayer of St. Francis, you know, where there is darkness, let us shed light, where there's injury, pardon, where there's sadness, joy, where there is doubt, faith, all those things we try to do as a, uh, a foundation. Frank, I, I don't think we can thank you enough, sir on behalf of my fellow responders and the guys whose careers got cut short we we've seen you personally take care of a lot of people and america needs more people like you and i pray that you just keep going for a very very long time your rescue and the rescuers it's such an honor and a pleasure sir and god bless you and your family and safety on your mission to get the word out there okay let us go do good If you want to learn more about helping Tunnel to Towers, you can become a T2T member at T2T.org. Just a small monthly donation can make a large impact. And before we close, a special message from a very dear friend of mine. Hi, this is actor Robert John Burke. I've been fortunate to be a part of projects like Tombstone, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, Gossip Girl, Rescue Me, but I've been even more fortunate to become friends with incredible first responders like your host, Nils Jorgensen. Folks who are willing to sacrifice every single one of their tomorrows so that we can have our today, as Nils so powerfully says. I lost a lot of my friends on 9-11, including my best friend. And I felt like I had to pick up the flag for them. So I became a volunteer firefighter and I have been ever since. It's why I'm so grateful you're listening to the 20 for 20 podcast. I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review it and share it with five friends because these stories are so important. Thanks for listening.